timing that quite well now. Yeah. Welcome yeah. to the podcast. Yes, welcome. I am Tiffany. I am Hamish. The podcast for the sick and dying to prepare you <laughs> for being a ghost. Yeah, it's basically a how-to, like give you some hot tips. Yeah, and find out what already, what's already been done. You yeah. won't go down in history if you're just like another, oh, you knock on whatever, we're gonna... You threw another lamp. Yeah. How passe. Um, I think we should stop stalling for time and talk about what we just watched. <laughs> um, here at the podcast, we're big fans of Goosebumps and I'm Are You Afraid, afraid of the, the Dark? Dark? Which we ran a poll, well, I ran a poll on, on our account many weeks ago, and I was disappointed that it was a pretty even split, because mm. I'm of the opinion that Are You Afraid of the Dark is the superior of the two Canadian television... Yeah, um... I am not of that opinion. I am of the opinion that Goosebumps... I think Are You Afraid of a Dark is absolutely scarier. Yeah. Goosebumps just has great twists. Yeah. The twists are so funny. Like, I do enjoy that they have a twist, and then they have a twist on the twist, and then sometimes it's even a triple twist. A triple twist. Yeah. Um, like, I do like Goosebumps, I just think that Are You Afraid of the Dark is better. Are You Afraid of the Dark is actually trying to... I think it's actually, like... Pushing a line yeah. a little bit in terms of its spookiness. I think because Goosebumps isn't, even though it's called Goosebumps, it's not always scary necessarily. Like sometimes, sometimes it's, it's just strange. Yeah, sometimes it's just straight up meant to be funny. Yeah, like there's that one where it's like, I don't know if you've seen it, but like a kid, basically everything turns into a comic book or something. Mm. Like I didn't really like that one. <laughs> but like, the one that really unnerved me is when they go and get their child turned into a cat? Oh, yeah. It's so strange. It makes me feel it, very... It ends up being... They, like, they stay as a cat, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, that was quite scary. And there's a screaming sponge. Oh, yeah, and it looks... <laughs> and then they like, keep it as like, a pet. Yeah. Anyway, we just partook <laughs> in the first episode of what we think is the spiritual successor... Um, which is a new CBBC and Canadian yeah. joint production. It's all kind of at the end, not quite excited. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the credits. For the home of creepy children. Um, creeped out. Yeah. Because you sent me the trailer yeah. the other week. And I thought it looked quite good. Yeah. And I don't actually know when that episode aired, because we just saw it on iPlayer. But... There's only one episode yeah. at the moment, but there will be more. Um... It's got quite uh, a more like Are You Afraid of the Dark, but not quite. Yeah. It's got a kind of. It's got like an outside, framing. yeah, something to frame it, like this sort of kid in a in a creepy mask that likes telling stories, apparently. Um, or just like appears nowhere a story stories. is about to happen. Yeah. Um, 
the story in question was about controlling your parents yeah. through weird puppetry. Yeah, like literal puppet like appears and tells her to knock on her head three times and say, um, what was it? That's That's how we do it. Or yeah. something. Or something along those lines. It's like it's not allowed to stick it. I don't know, it's one of those kind of things. And um, Now we know. And, um, yeah, her parents become literal. She can control... They can only do what she tells them to do because she was so annoyed of them embarrassing her, even though they were just looking out for her being bullied by this horrible girl next door who I think she was low-key in love with for some strange reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a weird one. Um, we were discussing... I don't want to spoil the ending, but we were discussing it and it didn't quite satisfy us. No. But... In a way, it's actually a little bit darker yeah. than the version we were expecting. Yeah, because... She's now out of con- She's now yeah. like, a changed person. Yeah, and also, like, she doesn't get any satisfaction. Yeah. And, like, she can't, doesn't even get anything good out of what happened in, like, not even a twisted way. Because, like, I've only watched the three episodes of Are You Afraid of a Dark yeah. Now? In Ghost... The Goosebumps. Yeah. Episodes kind of end on a, like, a what the fuck moment. Yeah. But in Are You Afraid of the Dark, quite a lot of these stories end in quite a heartwarming little resolution. Yeah. And then it cuts back to the campfire and they're all like, oh, that was nice. Yeah. That wasn't actually that spooky, wasn't it? Mm. And they all go off into the woods laughing. Yeah. Um, anyway, I will check out more of Creeped Out. <laughs> I'll see how, what the width and breadth of mm. their the, content the is. Their tales are. Hmm. Speaking of watching things we want to review no live watch we don't really know yet do we i want to watch films but i don't want to like properly review them i want to like analyze them as ghost things and like say what we would do in those situations and like not ourselves into the film yeah and like like that's a photography. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to probably do a poll. Yeah. Of spooky films. Yeah, we have a small list, which I can't remember anything up on it. Um, but yeah, if you have any suggestions as well. Things we should to, watch. Feel free to tweet us. But we will do a poll. I think we will have to watch the Poltergeist films, seeing as... Yeah, that's our name. <laughs> that's our name, and that's what we say at the very start. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, I've never seen it. <laughs> Check the poll. We'll have it up today, but we yeah. haven't quite decided what, what the films are going to be. Um, or we'll have it up soon. Yeah. Yeah. And should we? But until I get, then, should, should I get on with my? Oh, you're first. Yeah. I think yes. yes it's episode six. Yes. So, Please yes, do. Apologies again to people of Poland potentially butchering <laughs> any names. Um, I didn't have anything against you. In fact, I really like your ghosts. Um, this I found in a book on Google Books called Real Ghosts, Spirits and Haunted Places by Brad Steiger and this is called The Throwing Ghost of Slavensnik Castle Wow So, a little history for you October 28th I was born, but also in 1806 (laughs) The Prussian armies were defeated at the Battle of Jena, and Prince Friedrich Hohenlohe, sorry, I hope I'm saying that right, was a prisoner of war to be taken to France until Napoleon decided what to do with him. 
The story is not about him. But while he was a prisoner, the prince asked his friend, August Hahn, who was one of the, his most trusted members of his council, to oversee his castle in Slawenzig till Napoleon released him. August, or August, had never been to this castle before the prince had, um, before the prince asked him, since the prince had quite a few different castles, as, mm-hmm. they, as they do. So with him, he took his personal servant, Johann, two of the prince's coachmen, and the, the caretaker, Frau Nissel, and her son, who has no name. He <laughs> <laughs> couldn't be bothered. He also invited his old friend, Karl Kern, who had been at the Battle of Vienna. So we had someone he actually knew with him. Now it wasn't until the third day that things started to happen. About 9pm, Han and Kern were sat reading in the corner room they were occupying on the first floor. And they were pelted by bits of lime and debris. Now, side note, when I say, when I say lime, I don't mean the fruit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, um, bits of, like, mortar and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure everyone knew that, but in case you didn't know what line was. I don't know. Um, Han looked at the ceiling, but it was perfectly intact. And then they both stood on chairs to look at the ceiling better, when another shower of lime came down upon them. It does sound quite funny when you're talking yeah. about it. It sounds like an advert for Starburst. Yeah. <laughs> that would be quite a good advert. You know, they get pelted by limes from nowhere and bears of the fruits. <laughs> I thought you just meant involving historical French characters. Well, yeah, as well. <laughs> anyway, so Kern picked some of it up and it felt cold, like it had come from outside. Anyway, Han said they would get the servants to fix any problems first thing in the morning. They entered the room the next day to find it carpeted in just even more of the stuff. But the ceiling, as before, was intact. Then in the evening, the debris didn't didn't just fall, it flew around the room and hit them. Oh, like Matilda. Yeah. They ran to their bedrooms, and the sound of loud knocking echoed all down the hallways. Kern thought it was Han, somehow doing all this, until one time the room was shaking with all of the knocking, but Han's hands... <laughs> <laughs> Han's hands were, were, complete, were visible. This made it impossible for any of them to sleep. So Han kept a journal. Now, he was an attorney, so he was used to like analysing facts and things. He wasn't mm. he wasn't any old what's say numpty. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the fifth it was the fifth night and the manifestation started up again. And the two men had the keys to the above room as well, which is where they presumably, if stuff was falling from the ceiling, they thought, well, it must have been coming from upstairs. Han stayed put, and Kern went with the caretaker's son to search the apartments upstairs. Empty. Later the same night, they were woken by a sound of slippers shuffling across the floor. They lit a candle to see an empty room, but the slippers were joined by another sound, that of a walking stick. After this... The disturbances got even worse. Just, yeah. I'm just imagining, like, what's that sound? Sounds like slippers. <laughs> I know. Like, it was very specific. I know. But I guess, I guess they make a very. I know, because like, you don't stomp in slippers, you go. Shh, 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 shh. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I take back everything I said about slipper sounds. Don't slipper shame the ghost. <laughs> so anyway, candlesticks would fly around the room. At dinner, knives, forks, food and plates became animated and floated in the air. Be our guest, be our yes, guest, I've be our that. guest. <laughs> Basically, anything, anything not tied down could levitate at any time. Hmm. After three weeks of living in this, <laughs> they had no sleep because of the knocking on the walls, ceilings, etc. So they ordered the servants to move their belongings to the overhead room because, of course, they want to go where everything is coming from as opposed to far, far away. Mm. Not long after falling asleep, the sound of Kern whimpering woke up Han. Kern was staring, transfixed at the mirror, pale and trembling. It was only after taking the time to compose himself that he could tell his friend what he saw. In the mirror, he saw the figure, swathed in white, reflected back at him, in front of his own image. So it's like someone was standing in front of him in the mirror, mm. like there was no one literally there. Their eyes had met, and he had made out her features without an old woman who, despite appearing tranquil, filled him with dread. Han himself stepped forward to the, to the mirror, and he called to the ghost to show, to show itself. But after 15 minutes, he gave up. <laughs> it was almost dawn, so they gave up sleeping and had the servants return all their stuff back downstairs and save up. After a month of these supernatural trails, people from outside had begun to hear of it, um, and they wanted to see for themselves. So two sceptical Bavarians, <laughs> Captain, That's us. Yeah. Captain Cornet and Lieutenant, or Lieutenant, depending on which you prefer, mm-hmm. and girl, um, insisted on visiting, and the Lieutenant offered to spend a night in the haunted room. Just minutes after he was left there, he was heard loudly cursing. The usual loud knocking was joined by the sound of him attacking furniture with his sabre. They opened the door to see the girl chopping at the air. <laughs> he explained that as soon as they left, he'd been pelted with debris, and since he couldn't see anything, he got so angry he didn't know what else to do other than slash around with his sword. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is something a lot of men do. <laughs> I have my personal sabre yeah. by the bed at all times. The attendant tried to claim that it was Han and Kern who had tricked him, but the others assured him it wasn't possible, and his friend... Captain Cornet said he had been in the whole time and they had not pulled any tomfoolery. So they sat talking at a table, still in this haunted room, as opposed to leaving it. Stupid. Um, candlesticks rose in midair and fell to the ground. Then a lead ball hit Han square in the chest, although he remained unharmed apparently, <laughs> which, I is, um, which I find quite impressive. Mm. And a drinking glass jumped and shattered. After this, the officers no longer accused Han and Kern of trickery. <laughs> the phenomena in the castle continued. One time, when Han had been preparing for a shave, all the warm water in his basin simply disappeared. Mm. The bookseller, Herr Duffel, was leaving after a visit when he couldn't find his hat. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and I mean, personally, that would be a nightmare. You are a hat yeah, person. Yeah, I, I, I do love my hats. All 11 of them. After a long search for the household, the hat floated right in front of him. 
It made him chase it around the room before falling at his feet. <laughs> All this activity caused Mulhan sleep, severe sleep deprivation, so one night he simply told the ghost that he didn't want to feel anything thrown at him while he was in bed. Because, <laughs> you know, after all this, I'm sure, just, if you just ask politely, the ghost pay attention. And the ghost is like, well, thank you. Yeah, you hadn't said. Yeah. I didn't know. I, I had no I, idea. I thought you liked it. Yeah, I just, you know, I thought... I think a good communication with your ghosts yeah. is paramount to... Yeah. It's key. It's key. <laughs> so, skeleton key. Yeah, it's skeleton key. It seemed as if the ghost had agreed. <laughs> Until just the moment when he fell asleep. And then a large jug of water was poured over his face. <laughs> a distinctive episode occurred when Han was away at a few days watching and... Watching the castle was left to Kern. Kern didn't want to sleep alone in the haunted room. And for some reason, instead of going in any of the other number of rooms in the castle, <laughs> which I'm sure has many, he didn't want to move his bed. So he made Han's personal servant, Johan, stay with him instead. Well, I mean, you know, if you know where the bathrooms are yeah. and you've got a nice groove in the bed and... I can understand not wanting to move. Yeah. You've unpacked all your stuff. So after settling down for the night, they saw a jug of beer rise from the table and pour itself a glass. Then the, the glass lifted and emptied as if someone was drinking it and then was set back down on the table. Oh no, not a drunk ghost. Oh no, it's even worse. That's <laughs> what a poltergeist is. Yeah. The men turned to where, looked where the beer, the beer was drank and saw it. None had spilled on the floor. It seemed the being can genuinely consume liquid. Mm. As Han was returning back to the castle at night, he thought he heard the footsteps of his greyhound, Flora, behind him. Mm. He turned and called for her, but she wasn't there. Yet, as he continued onwards all the way up the castle steps, he could hear the dog behind him panting. Kern met Han at the door, taking the door up from him and calling out for Flora. Han asked if he had seen a dog walking up the steps behind him, and Kern said, of course, that's why he took the doorknob. Um, so Han accidentally shut out the dog, as he didn't seem to see her. They went searching for Flora, thinking she must be round in the woods, but when they found her in the stables, the coachman said she had been there all day. After this, manifestations stopped, and Han stayed for another six months until the prince was released. In his last diary entry, Han wrote, I've described these events exactly as I as I heard and saw them. From beginning to end, I observed them with the most entire self-possession, yet the whole thing remains to me perfectly inexplicable. In 1830, the castle was struck by lightning and burned down in a resulting fire. I didn't know castles could burn down. Well, apparently this one. <laughs> In the, uh, in the, in the, oh, in the ruins, in the ruins, workmen discovered a skeleton that had been, that had been walled up in a secret enclosure. Uh, a skull was split and a sword was laying by its side. Oh my god. What is that? Wall bodies. Yeah. Um, thank you. During the start of that... I couldn't quite focus, and I was trying not to giggle. Did you notice? Yeah. 
Because episode six is going to be our surprise Napoleon special. (laughs) 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 Because mine's full on about Napoleon. (laughs) And like... Podcasting a surprise Napoleon <laughs> special. It is, you know, you've got to episode six, you're probably just like, oh god, I hope it's Napoleon. Um, yeah, and that's really funny because you were going to do a different one that last week. Yeah, I swapped it so the water themed one would be after seeing the text water. But you did not know, but actually, no. and I was a bit nervous because I thought you were doing the same thing I was doing. No. Um, and I thought, Oh, but no, mine's very different, and mine's full-on Napoleon. You didn't have a Bonaparte pick me. Oh, well done. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess I'll start. Uh, yeah. Go on. My my. Um, for those who don't know, Napoleon, <laughs> um, he's a pretty... <laughs> he's a... Actually, I said on the way that mine was, like, a celebrity oh, one. Yeah. And I'm like, this is my celebrity. Yeah, and um, I was like, oh, Britney. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who has influenced the world more? Oh, no. Brittany, obviously. I mean, she means more to me than Napoleon. It's Napoleon, bitch. <laughs> anyway. Um, I said it's Bonaparte, bitch. <laughs> um, he obviously is uh, most famous for being in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, but he's uh, some guy from Corsican. For some guy from Corsica. Um, <laughs> and apparently, Napoleon, like many people from Corsica, had grown up with stories of ghosts and vampires. Um, his nurse, Ilari. Uh, okay, so this is going to be a full blown, like, mispronouncing yeah. French and names. And Corsican. And Corsican names. Special as well, because there's a lot of things I have no idea what else to pronounce. Um, uh, his nurse chanted incanta- incantations over him to protect him from demons, and he believed in omens and good luck charms. Um, most of the time he wore a little black satin heart between his flannel waistcoat and his shirt and he carried a scarab that he had found in a pharaoh's tomb in egypt in his waistcoat pocket for good luck um it has been stated that were you to make a film about napoleon's life so significant were his supernatural beliefs that they'd have to form a big part of the story because uh, he wrote about his visions and encounters with ghosts with concrete certainty, and they influenced a lot of his actions. Um, he enjoyed interpreting his dreams um, and telling ghost stories, and to him, the spirit world is very much a part of his real world view. Um, but none of his ghostly visitors are as famous as the little red man of destiny. That's impressive. Do you know about the Little <laughs> no, Red Man of Destiny? I've never heard of the Little Red Man of Destiny. So. That is a great name. I'm excited. I read it, I, I, I took it from a website which I think was in French and translated because oh. it kept calling him the Little Red Man of Destiny like so much. Yeah. Like that they hadn't thought of just like shorthand. Like the Little Red Man. Um, or, or Destiny p- Guy. Or <laughs> Petite Homme Rouge. Yeah. Um, as Napoleon would have called him. (laughs) Um, So, the Little Red Man was already a legendary ghost before Napoleon first saw him. Um, He haunted uh, Tuileries Palace. Toilet Palace? Toilet Palace. I'm going to just call it... Toilet Palace. A royal... I mean, come on. We've known about Versailles. They probably did 
crap in the corners. Yeah. We, yeah, we, we, know, we, we know what you did. <laughs> we know what you did, France. Um, so... <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> they saw it in the loo. <laughs> in the Louvre. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. The Little Red Man, haunted... haunted to- There's a lot to get through, so I've got to hurry up. Um, haunted Toilet Palace, a royal place that stood on the right bank of the River Seine in, fa- in Paris... Um, until 1871. Since the time of Catherine de Medici, I'm just going to keep going forward. Um, every time that an important event was going to happen to one of the inhabitants of the palace, legend has it that the little red man of destiny appeared. <laughs> okay, this story isn't very scary, let me just say. It's just... I mean- yeah, if I saw just like a little red man appear, I would be quite big. <laughs> yes. Henri IV supposedly saw him on the morning uh, of the day that he was assassinated. Um, Anne de Utrecht, sounds, sounds good, uh, saw him a few days before the um, a civil war began. And Marie Antoinette saw him in the corridor the day before, August 10th, 1970. <laughs> <laughs> Seventeen ninety-two. Especially if you're Marie Antoinette. Um, where uh, basically the day before the mob stormed uh, the toilet palace and ended the monarchy. So the little man man was described as anything from a pixie, a genie, or a gnome to a full, well-dressed man in a suit and tie who was always described as uh, translucent and blood-red. Sometimes he appeared in mirrors as a blurry shape, others he was a glowing light in the darkness, and sometimes he would just be going for a stroll down the palace corridors. Um, The Little Red Man of Destiny, however, (laughs) uh, is most famous for latching onto Napoleon and becoming somewhat of an advisor to him throughout all of his campaigns. Um, people, people at the Toilet Palace were familiar with the stories of a Little Red Man of Destiny um, appearing whenever Napoleon stayed there. Um, uh, it was almost like a little companion to him, or like an imaginary friend. Um, except not imaginary. Yeah. No, no. Um, just a friend. Just a friend. And how is Napoleon's friend? <laughs> <laughs> Still red? Um... <laughs> Um, We're calling it his days. Maybe Napoleon, who wasn't as short as people seem to think he was, um, but maybe he said like, "Oh, I have a, I have a friend, and he's really small. Yeah. He's like really small." Okay, legend says that a little red man destiny appeared to Napoleon for the first time in Egypt, seventeen ninety eight, and told Napoleon that he had ten years to enjoy victory and triumph on European battlefields. The Little Red Man told Napoleon several things, including the fact that the French fleet had not obeyed his orders and that the Egyptian campaign would fail. The Little Red Man told Napoleon that he would return to France and find England, Russia, Turkey, and an allied Europe surrounding his country. Um, Napoleon was staying at Schrobrunn Castle in Vienna when General Jean Rapp one of his most trusted generals, came to see him. Jean Rapp wanted to speak to Napoleon, so he walked into Napoleon's quarters unannounced. 
and Napoleon was standing perfectly still, staring intently through the window at the sky. General Rapp pushed a tear to make enough noise to attract Napoleon's attention, um, but he continued to stay staring and moving in silent. Um, Rapp thought that Napoleon might be having a stroke, so <laughs> ran to his side, and without taking his eyes away from the sky, Napoleon grabbed Rapp's arm and excitedly asked if he could see the red star of destiny, almost as large as the moon and brilliant and glowing in the sky. Um, Rapp did not see this, but Napoleon said that the star of destiny had never left him or abandoned him. Um, but it usually came to see him dressed as a man, uh, and, well, shapes like a man and dressed in red. Um, Napoleon's counsellor of state, Louis Matthew Count Mole, uh, swore on his life that he had heard the little red man of destiny Napoleon discussing, um, the future battle of Wagram, which went on to be another victory for France. Um, however... The Little Red Man tended to appear to Napoleon and tell him, oh, you're going to win this battle, you're going to win this battle, you're going to have ten years of victories. Um, But then one day, the Red Man um, told Napoleon that he should not conduct his planned Russian campaign and caution him uh, that his victory days were numbered, um, unless he tried to negotiate peace throughout Europe. Um... The Red Man said that invading Russia would be Napoleon's downfall, and Napoleon for once refused to listen. Napoleon, you shouldn't listen to the Little Red Man. Uh, <laughs> of Destiny. The Little Red Man of Destiny, um, up until this... Yeah, I've said that. So, in June 1812, while controlling nearly all of Europe, Napoleon invaded Russia to force Tsar Alexander I to submit again to the terms of a treaty that Napoleon had forced on them four years earlier. Napoleon amassed an army of nearly half a million soldiers and stepped onto Russian soil as the leader of the largest army the world had ever seen. Um, the Russians waged a strategic campaign of retreat where they kept going backwards, yeah. destroying all their land, yeah. so that they'd have to go through... Yeah. Uh, you know... You know, war. Yeah. Um, uh, so this uh, caused Napoleon's supply lines to be stretched to breaking point, um, and by September, the army had shrunk to two-thirds of its size um, without having fought a single battle. Uh, fatigue, hunger, and desertion, and Russian raids had decimated it. Um I can probably skip some of this, (laughs) but uh, Napoleon and the Russian army did meet um, about 70 miles from Moscow, um, and neither side really won despite the deaths of 108,000 men. Um, Both armies, uh, well, the the Russians uh, withdrew, and Napoleon marched to Moscow, which was also uh, depopulated and decimated. Um, And basically, a very long, slow, expensive campaign of nothing really happening, um, which caused uh, Napoleon's army to completely disintegrate, and Russia to... uh, stay powerful and wealthy because they were pretty much in control of the situation um 
Napoleon retreated back to uh, France. Um, he also lost a battle in Germany um, and sought seclusion in his study in a different palace, this time called Fontainebleau. Fontainebleau Paris. Palace. God, I'm so awful. <laughs> uh, which is just outside of Paris. Um, so people again, um, uh, uh, one of the guards and Councillor Mole from before. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a good name. It's a very trustworthy man, isn't he? Um, again, they heard Napoleon and the ghost talking this time a lot more angry. Um, they Those two actually signed official documents to say that they'd heard this conversation. Um, the little red man had appeared at this... Uh, palace and told Napoleon that he had three months left in power. Um, he said that in three months the Allies would invade Paris and if Napoleon didn't take his advice and try and ensure peace, his power would be confined to a small little island somewhere um, and disaster would befall if he ever left it. Um, Napoleon argued that it would be impossible to get uh, peace um, in three months. Um, and the little red man disappeared. <laughs> and Napoleon never saw him again. Uh, three months later, the French Senate called for Napoleon's abdication, um, but as a present to him, uh, they gave him sov uh, sovereignty over a small island called Elba in the Mediterranean Sea and a French pension. Um, he was very annoyed, though. So <laughs> he uh, later escaped... And that's when he uh, lost the Battle of Waterloo oh. in that small time, in what is called the 100 Days Rule. Um, he was then exiled to a different island, <laughs> uh, St. Helena, a remote island of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, so basically, this ghost or presence, um, well, we're not sure what it is. Yeah. Um, was it Napoleon's mind? Uh, was it his imaginary friend, or was it a spectre that could predict the future? Maybe it's... Like his conscience at Jimmy Cricket. Yeah. <laughs> Napoleon just wanted to be a real boy. Yeah. Um, and own the world. Yeah. Humble, humble... You should have uh, listened to the red, Little Red Man of Destiny. Mm. I mean, what? even though he was guided by his spirituality, mm. um, it seemed Not that... Enough. When, yeah, when... Uh, didn't he, say what he wanted to hear. Yes. Um, and Napoleon has quoted as saying, avoid everything that might give false ideas of the truth. Well, he didn't do that very well, did he? No. So, that was our surprise Napoleon double Special. bill. Um, you don't mention Napoleon much, but I think next time we should... Mine wouldn't have happened without Napoleon. No. A lot of things wouldn't have happened without Napoleon. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a thought to think on. <laughs> just think on that yeah. dear listener um we have about yeah we have time for an email yeah. so so this is from hannah who um i can vouch for <laughs> in what way well i know you know so you you're sending us like made up stories okay yes i can i can vouch for their trustworthiness Hey Tiffin Hamish, I've got two stories that may or may not be podcast worthy, both don't really have a conclusion to them, but I'll send them over anyway. 
I don't think my last story was podcast. Most of our stories don't have any conclusion just because, like, it's either, well, I guess somebody stopped or. Yeah. Maybe it's they're still haunting people. No. We'll get better at that. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's not our fault, it's the ghost's fault. <laughs> we should do more. <laughs> yes. Number one Ghost in My House. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> That's a good title. Yeah. So I should probably start off with the fact that my new house was built over a well. And we did this Buddhist or Shinto, not really sure, but some sort of religious ritual to fend off bad spirits prior to getting our house built. My parents' bedroom is where the well was located and there's something really off about it. As in, most times I'm there, I feel really cold. Could be because it hardly gets any sunlight at all, but it's always around my neck that gets cold and nowhere else. I get overall bad vibes from that room. Needless to say, I find my cat staring into it whenever the door is open. Mm. The living room, which is on the first floor, is located above my parents' room. Yet again, it's ab- above the well, and this is where it gets spookier. There is no one around me, not even my pets or family, and I was simply just sitting around playing my guitar. I was a little drowsy at that point, but then I legitimately felt a really cold, moist hand brush against my shoulder, and I broke out in cold sweat. I didn't feel any sort of malice on it, but I've never felt anything like that ever, and I haven't felt its presence ever since. I still have no idea what it was, but I'm pretty convinced it was something of this world. When I tell this story to people, they always point out that I was drowsy and my brain was playing tricks. But who feels a wet hand just out of the blue? <laughs> Mysterious. Number two. Exorcist Great Grandma. <laughs> these, these are excellent titles. I don't really know 100% details of this story since it's all from my grandmother who isn't the best at telling stories. <laughs> but anyway, apparently my great-grandmother, my grand's first mum, was an exorcist. She lived in a small village in Korea, and she was the village exorcist. Everyone would consult her whenever someone was acting weird. See, in this country, we didn't have, our villages don't have village exorcists, and that's quite sad. Mm, it's a dying art form. Korea is, isn't it? Apparently, my gran was only allowed to see an actual exorcism once because they were too dangerous for people to be around. Because, you know, devils can possess people interchangeably. This one lady in the village had a miscarriage, and she's been incredibly depressed. But the villagers noticed her actions were out of the ordinary. Maybe screaming and thrashing around would be understandable. But she started muttering Latin, which is impossible since it's a small Korean village, where people only know how to speak a single language, which is, of course, Korean. The ritual started off with her sprinkling holy water on her to calm her down, and she rubbed her hands and forehead with olive oil till she was sure she couldn't feel the presence of the devil anymore. That's as specific as I can go since I don't have enough details, but here's two quotes from my gran. Number one. When my dad watched The Exorcist when he was young and told my gran about it, she said, yeah, of course devils exist, don't mess with them. Mm. Number two. The other day she said, Satan exists and is upon us committing evil. That's why we have to go to Mass. Again, I'm not sure if these two stories have enough content for the podcast, but I hope they help somehow. As I was writing this all, I remembered two to three more ghost stories I heard from my family slash friends, so I might send them over sometime. They involve hour-long Buddhist rituals to fend off evil spirits, cat ghost sightings, a small road in Tokyo full of whispering ghosts, travelling to a parallel universe, etc. <laughs> etc. There was nothing like... List nothing about that list that yeah. I could tell what the next thing would be. 
And then they just sign up. <laughs> we saw a bit. We saw a cat ghost today. Yeah. A yeah. perfectly white go- uh, cat. In in that stream, in your park, in your house. That's not your park. I think park. we just saw a cat. Yeah, but it's white. Um, thank you for the email. Yeah. Thank you for my... I really enjoyed that. Your chilling, um, moist um, tales. Please send more in. Yes. Um, the... Is it the podcast? It's thepodcast yeah, at, at gmail.com. Gmail.com. Um, also, that email m- made me think that we should add The Exorcist to our little poll. Yes. I know it's on that list of some things, like when we were brainstorming. Yes. I think we um, should put that in the poll. I have the DVD. I don't. Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Um, well, that about does it for our Napoleon special. Yeah. Um, think of the, another special to have next time. Um, I think it was joyous that it was un, uh, yeah. un, we didn't unplanned. We didn't, yeah, unplanned. We didn't. Just, everyone loves a surprise Napoleon. So, do you know why I think it happened? Because yeah. of the little red man of destiny. Yeah. It he was brought, meant. He brought it. It was yeah. meant to happen. Yeah. He found out that I was doing something about him. He was like, ooh, a little he was, bit. Of, he inspired me. Yeah. Or oh, so, until next time. <laughs> Um, I'm Hamish. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. Yes, and I'm Tiffany Baxter. Oh, you get a surname. And, um... Oh, oh, yeah, you didn't say yours, did you? Always listen to The Little Red Man of Destiny. Especially when it comes to Russia. Yep. And... That is the podcast. Rest in peace. peace. (laughs)